turn to John 5. If you do not have a Bible with you, uh, the Pew Bible is there. You can turn to John chapter 5. We're going to be in, uh, starting in verse 41. If you don't have a book Bible and you don't have, you don't want to grab the Pew Bible, you probably have a phone. There's apps. You can open up to that. I will go ahead and assume the best about you if your phone is up and you're doing this, that you're not doing Facebook or Candy Crush or some other game. I'll assume that you're following along taking notes on your phone or iPad. Last week we were able to uh, look at Jesus' response. He's been responding to the Pharisees, responding to the religious teachers, explaining basically who He is and His authority. And last week we were able to touch on two witnesses. There were one was uh, John the Baptist or baptizer, Jesus quickly mentions him and says that he was giving testimony about Jesus and I, a witness of who Jesus is. And then Jesus appealed to the fact that his father gives testimony about who he is. He constantly shows that Jesus really is his son by performing and allowing Jesus to perform all these miracles. We ended in verse 40. Uh, I want to read 39 and 40 for you to set the tone for what we're going to pick up in 41. 39 says this. This is what he's uh, responding to these religious people. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, Jesus says, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And that's certainly talking about salvation, and that's what he's saying to the Pharisees, these people who knew the Scriptures extremely well. He says, you're searching the Scriptures, you're thinking you're going to find eternal life, but it's only eternal life because it talks about Jesus. It points to Jesus. What we're going to cover today is this third witness, which is the, the Word. But there's something that, as I was studying this, that jumped out at me that honestly felt like it punched me right in the face for my own life. And I really believe that this is something we all struggle with to some degree or another. And so my prayer has been, as we work through this, that you're able to realize this truth, recognize where maybe you struggle with it as well, and be able to defeat this. Okay? So that's my hope for us today as we're going to work through a few verses. Starting in 41, Jesus continues on, I do not receive... Glory from people. Interesting phrase he starts with there, and that's going to set the tone. Um, On the back of your bulletin, I put glory, and I put a few other words on the back of your bulletin. I don't know if they'll be up there shortly, but um, they're in the notes section on the back. Some other ideas that go in that word, praise, honor, approval, renown, worth, Those are the words I want you to be thinking of throughout this section when it comes to glory, because it's going to be tied to this this, this point that I think the Spirit wants us to see today. So Jesus is saying, I do not receive basically my worth, my approval, my renown, my honor. He's saying that doesn't come from men. It comes from God, the Father. He's not needing that. Hold on to that. Hold on to that for today. Verse 42. 
he continues, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. He's talking specifically to these religious teachers who have been questioning him. They're not believing the Scriptures. They do not have the Scriptures, the Word abiding in them. And he says, you probably look more religious than anybody I've ever met. You say the right things. It looks like you do the right things. You dress the dress. You kind of walk the walk. You certainly talk the talk. Probably don't really walk it. And he's saying, but I know you don't have the love of God inside of you. Even if you could recite back, which they could do, recite back large portions of the Old Testament, including the Pentateuch, the first five books that he's going to mention that Moses wrote. He says, you may do all that, but you do not have the love of God inside of you. I want to encourage us today with the truth that we cannot fool Jesus. You can't fool Him. He sees your heart. Now, on a salvific stage, that's true. He knows whether you're saved or whether you're not. So, that's something for each of us to check. But also, for those of us who are following Jesus but we're basically just following Him because it's what we're supposed to do. And we want to make sure we look good in front of everybody else. Maybe there's pressure that comes from spouse. I need to be there. I need to be following Jesus because really, if not, my wife's going to get on me. My husband's going to get on me. Maybe it's a parent-child. Well, I, need, I, I really need to be there just you know, pretty much so my children see me there. Do you really have the love of God inside of you? Do you really want Jesus? Or do you want religion? He sees your heart. You can't fool Him. You can't fool Him. He knows what's going on in there. And that's what He cares about. He cares about your heart. He wants to keep shaping that. He wants to continue to soften that. If you don't have the new heart yet, that you get by trusting in Jesus, He wants to give you that first. He wants to give you His Spirit and fill you with His Spirit so you can live a life that is abundant for His glory and for His kingdom. You can't fool Jesus. Ask yourself, am I trying to fool everybody? Do I just put on a charade? Not just this mask that I wear, but it's not really who I am. The beautiful thing is that doesn't have to be the way you live. It doesn't have to be. So he's speaking to these guys and he's saying, you do not have the love of God within you. Verse 43, he explains, I've come in my Father's name and you do not receive me, but if another comes in his own name, you will receive him. This is specifically talking about at the time, there would be these other false messiahs that would come around. And they would claim to be the promised Messiah. And they would come and they would actually get followings. People would be believing them. And Jesus, the true Messiah, comes and most everyone rejects Him. And He comes with the authority of the Father. He's coming. He's doing these miracles. He's doing these things. And, they, and the, the, the religious teachers, the people who should know the best because they have the Scriptures, are the ones rejecting Him. 
He's saying, I'm coming in my Father's name, and you reject me. But somebody else just says, oh, I'm the Messiah, look at me, and he can't really do anything, and they believe. How does that help us? Well, another thought is, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Are you listening to the one who comes in his Father's name, who gives you the word and teaches you? Are you listening to Dr. Phil? Or Oprah? Or somebody else going for your true, deep, spiritual life? Who are you going to? Are you going to the actual word of God and to Christ? Are you going to CNN? Fox News? To get your meaning, your purpose. Where is it coming from? They're coming on their own authority, their own initiative. All these other people. Here's here's what you need to do. This is the right way of thinking. Jesus comes on His Father's authority. But don't we find it really hard to get into the Bible and just read it? Isn't that crazy? The one thing that changes everything in our lives, the Word of God, again, in accordance with the Spirit, and it seems to be the hardest thing to get into and regularly read. Any of you have that? Or is that just me? Am I the only one that struggles with that? (laughs) I mean, it's, it's incredible to me. Why? The thing that gives me life in things that we've been singing about, this joy, our Scripture memory verse, where it's these, these pleasures that we can find at His right hand. They're there. And I don't do it. It's like crazy. It's like there's medicine right there for me to get better. I could take this medicine and I don't do it. I'm like, eh. Same thing, I guess, with food and exercise, at least for me. <laughs> Might be a pattern here in my life. Who are you listening to? You might say, Jesus, 24-7. Hey, praise God. That's awesome. If it's not, okay. And we work on that. Here's the verse that I really want to camp on. Oh, this one stings. Right? But we said, I've said before, other pastors have said in the past, if you can't say amen, you say ouch. This was an ouch for me. I don't know if it's going to be an ouch for you. This was a big ouch for me this week. He's saying to them, how can you believe? How can you have faith? How can you trust? When you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. Now remember, that word glory, I'm talking about honor, approval, your worth. What Jesus is saying here, it's incredible. He's saying, when he says, how can you believe? He's saying, you can't. The point is, you can't. Okay. So, unbelief comes because we seek and receive glory from one another instead of receiving the glory that comes down from God. I'm going to call this for today the love of man. This is the love of man. Now, on the other side of that coin, it can also be called the fear of man. I'm going to read to you out of Proverbs 29, 25. 
Listen to what this says. And you know the Proverbs has these different ideas bouncing through. 29.25 The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So today, where I want to sit for a little while is the love of man and the fear of man. Because I think, and right now you may say, I don't, I don't do that, I don't fear anybody. Okay? I want to say that I think we all struggle with one of these two all the time. And here's the thing. It's a snare. How many of you know what a snare is? Show of hands, snare. Got a snare? Okay. So my fear of you this morning is that I'm going to show you the little snare I made and that you all are going to laugh at it. Okay? It's not really supposed to catch anything, but I need a volunteer. I'll just wait until somebody comes. Oh, Roy! (laughs) This guy, he's a servant, isn't he? Okay. Now, I just quickly found a piece of wire. Sometimes snares are made out of rope. Wire. A little slip knot, not exactly how it would be done, but this is the snare that I have. <laughs> Where am I going to put it? <laughs> the fear of man, the love of man, the fear of others, the love of others is actually a snare. So I'm just going to go with your arm. Better than your neck. Right? So when it does, it locks in and you're trapped. You're trapped. Now, he's trapped. Now, he goes wherever I take him. He is now mine. What Scripture is saying is if you fear people, if you love what they think, it's going to be a snare for you. It's going to trap you. And do you know what? When usually there's a snare most of the time, it's not going to be good for the one that's caught in it going to lead to their destruction okay the interesting thing is this one the fear of man's a snare you don't have to go into the snare if Roy wants to he can undo this and just slide his arm out what's interesting is when we fear man thank you Roy you can go down when we fear others and their opinions and their thoughts or love their opinions and thoughts so much, we actually are just putting ourselves into the snare. We're doing that. And what's interesting about this is if we focus on receiving praise, honor, approval, and worth from everybody else, that actually leads to unbelief, and you miss what you get from God. You're missing what you get from God, because here's the thing. He loves you. He approves of you. If you are in Christ, think about the worth word alone. He loves you so much that He sends His Son to die for you. Do you think that that means you're worth something? You absolutely are worth something. So why, when somebody else, maybe a family member, unfortunately, Maybe a spouse, maybe a child, maybe a stranger. When they speak to you and make you feel worthless, how does that affect your life? You ever had that? You ever had anyone make you feel worthless? Absolutely, right? When that happens, 
and it gets you down, and then you're worried about what that person thinks, and you only want to say a certain thing in front of them, or maybe you don't speak in front of them because you're afraid of what they're going to think of you, you are in a snare. They are dictating how you live your life. Because you either fear them or you love their opinion so much. And it actually controls the way we live. And I think this happens all the time and we don't realize it. How about cruising down the road, stop at a stoplight? I'm just singing, top of my lungs, enjoying, praising. Right? Car pulls up beside me. They look over. Right? They're looking at me now. I'm not going to be singing the same way I was just singing. How many of you, getting honest, don't sing as loud as you can to the Lord because maybe you don't want other people to hear you? Yeah? Like I said, hey, realize I stepped on my own toes all week. (laughs) Right? No, the Holy Spirit's showing me, wow, do I really care that much about what other people think? Where the one who has created me I can receive my worth is from Him. My approval is from Him. When you become a Christian, what are some things that happen to you? I'm thinking like um, you're born again. What are some other words I want to hear from you that come to your mind? What's new about you? What is the advantage, if you will, of becoming a Christian? Let me hear some words. What happens? New heart. heart. Good. What else? Loved. What's that? Peace. You have this peace. Great. Joy, joy overflowing, good. Humbleness and humility, okay. Hope, what else? Faith, understanding. Listen to some of these things. Listen to if you're a Christian, here's where you're at. Listen. You're loved by the one who's made everything and the one who's made you. You've been pursued, you've been made new, you've been redeemed. You've been chosen. You've been saved. You've been set apart. You're adopted into His family. You've been made holy. You've been purchased. God sings over you. He sings over you. You're the apple of His eye. That's where we get, we get that from Scripture. Somebody else always borrows things. You're forgiven. You're justified. You're being sanctified. You've been blessed. One day you'll be glorified. And there's so many more I know you could add to that. As a Christian, that's who you are. Why in the world, if that were true, would we worry about, fear what other people think of us, or love their praise so much when the king of the universe says, I feel this way about you? If we get that perspective right, I think it changes your life dramatically. Because it's done that in my life. There are times that I would not want to, and I'm going to, ooh, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. I'm not going to fear you guys. I'm going to share. The other night, Ash and I, my boat was uh, down at the dock. It's newer to me as far as getting the boat in and out. A little bit new. I don't have a a vehicle with a hitch on it, so the only one around was the, the church van. Okay, I need to get this boat out. Got it in. Need to get it out. My first thought is, you know what, I'm not good at this. Here's what I want to do. I want to go when, you know, it's not very busy. So that way I don't take up the ramp. I don't be right in the middle of the ramp. And as I'm saying it, I'm going, and what's the other reason? Am I just so considerate 
that I don't want to take up the ramp for everybody? Or is it that I don't want to be seen? So at 9.30 at night, man, this is humiliating. At 9.30 at night, Ashton jumps in the church van with me, which I forgot. You know what it, what it does when you back it up? Beep! Beep! That's not embarrassing. So we go down at 9.30. So, because I know, one, backing that thing down, I feel com- fairly comfortable with that, but we'll never know I'm using this big van. And then trying to drive the boat up on the trailer. I haven't done that a ton in my life. I'm nervous. Didn't even want Ashton to go, but all right, here I come. No, I was thankful he was there with me because I can be myself with him. I really believe that. I can say, I don't know what I'm doing, man. So I don't want anyone around as I'm going to be parking that thing right in the middle of the ramp so I can drive up on it. Who knows how many times it's going to take. And I ain't going to tell you. That's right. You all can find out another time. But so I can drive up. And even backing it down, it's just beep. And I'm like looking around. Why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? Because I don't want any of you or anyone around town to see me and say, look, that guy didn't know what he's doing. How about I just admit, hey, I don't really know what I'm doing. And anyone want to give me a hand, I'll gladly take it. That's that humility and humbleness Coach is talking about. When I'm comfortable with who I am in Christ, that I'm loved, I'm redeemed, I'm pursued, I love you guys, but what you think really doesn't matter. And we live trapped lives in this snare all the time because we're worried about what other people are thinking and we want that praise or we don't want them to think poorly of us and this and that. Now, I'm not saying we don't try to pursue peace and live godly lives, but if you live unto the Lord, the rest will take care of itself. Are you tracking with me this morning? Inside of your bulletin, there's a a handout for you. I want you to take that with you. And what it does is it has, I think it's 14 questions that I got from a a book. that The title of the book, I think, is When People Are Big and God is Small. Okay, And it's 14 questions for you to work through to say, am I, do I fear man? Do I love the praise of others too much? It will help you with that. We're going to do some of this on Wednesday night as well. And then on the other side, Miss Alice, can I borrow yours? Because apparently I don't have mine. Thank you. And then at the bottom, I have some ways to fight the, ma- the fear of man or the love of man. Part of it is knowing who God is, knowing who you are. Tre- treasure God's opinion over any other. I got this one from a pastor. God's word must loom larger than man's words. Preach the gospel to yourself. Ask God to show you where you fear man and love man. Ask others. <laughs> that would be a challenge. Go to your brothers and sisters, wise brothers and sisters, and say, do you see this in my life? Like I'm trying to be a, here's the word, people pleaser. Huh? Any of you know that one? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. You confess this love of man or fear of man and ask for forgiveness and repent from that way of thinking. And one way you can do, when you post your photos on Facebook, Am I posting this for Jesus' glory or so that I'll receive glory? Am I posting this for other people's good because I want them to be excited about my kid kayaking? Or I want them to think that I'm a great dad because I took my kids kayaking once this year. Which one am I doing it for? Asking that question over and over again with everything that we're doing. Because, and here's the driving point, 
because, go back to 44, Jesus is saying, when you are constantly trying to receive glory from one another, how could you possibly believe? It it is tied to a lack of belief and a lack of faith in God and who He is and who you are in Him. That's why we have to battle this. Let's finish up here. 45, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. Jesus continues on. He's saying, listen, I don't have to say a word against you to the Father because there's one, Moses, and in particular his writings that they kept setting their hope on. They were ultimately saying, I'm going to trust in the law of the Old Testament to get my righteousness. And Jesus is saying, that's not going to work out well for you. Why? Because 46, for if you would have believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. The point of all of Scripture is to point to Jesus because that's how we see God and that's how we're saved. So now what's really interesting for those of you who love to study your Bibles, which is everybody in here, I know it, Go back and read the first five books of the Old Testament and figure out, because Jesus is saying that's speaking about him. Where's that at? We've got to do some work. We've got to dig in the scriptures and figure out what it's saying. Where's he at? It's like a game of where's Waldo? Where's Jesus? Last verse. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? If you will not believe Moses' writings... You're not going to believe his words. This is actually brought up in, um, and with this in Luke, Luke 16. Twenty-six through thirty-one. Listen to this. I just want to end with this. This is the rich man of Lazarus. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day, and at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Wow. Moreover, even the dogs came to lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Do you think that's a good place? Abraham's side? Yes, man of faith, good. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades became in torment. He lifted up his eyes and saw far off, Abraham and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able to, and none may cross from there to us. Now listen to this. And he said, Then I beg you, Father. Here he goes. There's nothing. we got no, no hope for you. You're done. You're on the other side. You made your choice. So he goes, You know what? Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. That's a nice thing that he wants for his brothers. But listen to what Abraham says. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the Old Testament. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. 
Verse 31, he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone is raised from the dead. It's the same thing. If you will not believe the word of God and you keep going somewhere else and you keep seeking fame, glory, your worth, other places than Jesus, there's no hope. But if you go to Jesus, if you focus on Jesus, if you focus on his word and you live there, you have joy everlasting. There's hope for anyone who will cry out to God. And there's hope for you, believer, that you do not have to live in a trap of the life that you're in. You can be free. But it's going to be tied to focusing on the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and the word of God. Let's pray together. You are a good God. You are a loving Father. Jesus, you are an awesome big brother. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. And I pray for my friends, for my family, my faith family here, Lord, that you are teaching us today. I pray for my own heart that I would make much of who you are and focus on that and not focus on the praise of others and not fear the opinions of others. But I live my life as one that wants to please you. I pray that for everybody here today. I pray, Lord, that if there are some who have yet to really, truly believe, I pray that today they would do that. I ask that they do not leave this place today without crying out for salvation. But Lord, for the rest who have salvation, Lord, but they at times too are like me and they struggle with living trapped by others. Help us all to remove ourselves from this trap because we can by the power of your Spirit in conjunction with your Word. I pray that we would do that today and every day and live the lives of freedom that we have in Christ for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen.